Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another edition of Out of Bounds. As always, I'm your host, Spencer Brown. Joining me, we have Dalton Bishop. What's up? And we also welcome making his uh, return after a brief hiatus, Christian Ernst. What is up, y'all? It's great to be back. Sorry about missing last week, but uh, life kind of got in the way. So I'm back in stock sports, man. Yeah, understandable. We're glad to have you back. We'll start with some baseball. Uh, first off, we'll lead off. I didn't put this in the notes because I didn't know if this would happen. Uh, but earlier today, Aaron Judge hit home run number 62, uh, setting the Yankees and American League record. Uh, one of the best hitting performances we've seen in recent memory. We haven't seen in our lifetime. 62 in a single season. Um, age 30, he bet on himself. He's un, he's a free agent to be. So, I mean, and if having this year right before uh, free agency was definitely, I mean, someone's going to lay the bag. Either the Yankees are going to spend the money uh, or another team because, I mean, sure, they'll probably get the ridiculous 10-year contract or whatever it is, take him to age 40. Uh, best of discussion for the offseason. Just a moment in history um, that we're not going to forget. It is, in my opinion, a little bit um, ridiculous is not the right word, but a little weird that you have in baseball how the leagues are kind of separate in terms of, like, record-keeping. I'll give the AL record here, but you never in other sports see, like, an AFC passing yards leader, passing touchdown leader. You just don't see that. Um, it's just a unique aspect of the sport of baseball. But, you know, congrats to Judge, passing Roger Maris. Um and if you're into that kind of stuff, he's the most by someone that did not use steroids too. <laughs> um, if you if you want to go with that, but congratulations, Aaron Judge, and you know the Yankees have a very uh, they hope to make a deep postseason run behind the bat of Judge. Well, I'll go Dalton next. Just your thoughts, Aaron Judge hitting home run number sixty-two tonight against the uh, Texas Rangers. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Good to see him getting to get his name in the in the uh, the record book. Uh, to him, he completely deserved it. He's one of those guys that you can definitely cheer on and uh, feel good about cheering him on. Um, he's done everything right. It's really paid off for him, all that training and everything. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we love to see it. And uh, hey, we see what kind of deal he gets in the offseason. Um, and, you know, obviously I don't think that he's going to top the year that he's already had. But um, – Obviously, he's still got a pretty good, pretty good uh, career uh, career ahead of him. Yeah, Christian, your uh, reaction to the news: uh, Aaron Judge breaking Roger Maris' sixty-one home run, setting the American League and Yankee record. Uh, obviously, it's amazing. You know, he's definitely, uh, like you said, Spencer. He was betting on himself. He's going to be a free agent, so a lot of teams are definitely going to want to bring him in. Uh, and they're not going to pay him cheap. They're going to pay him what a lot of people think he deserves. Um, you know, that, it's a lot of home runs, 62 in a full season. You know, you're trying to average uh, one like every couple of games. And it's, it is quite an amazing feat to really do. But at the same time, I was not the biggest fan of how they tried to uh, make fans watch. Uh, I don't know if people – saw this you know they probably do because twitter was all over it was um you know during college football games 
during like in a like during you know games, they would cut to uh, the Yankees and the Orioles when Aaron was up to bat. And understandably, you know, a lot of people will say like they never watched a a history making event. There's not a lot of people who have seen this live. So yeah, it's like okay, we'll bring that history to them. But I don't think it was a smart like marketing kind of choice. Like okay, we're gonna like you're watching something completely different, watching a completely different sport, and yet watch you know on a bigger side of the screen uh, the history making that Aaron Judge is about to do. Uh, still nothing getting taken away. Sixty-two home runs. Um, I doubt he can make 11, 11 home runs in uh, you know the next day. <laughs> but uh, it's great for him. He's going to be paid very well. Uh, and good luck to him in the postseason. I would say, let's not try to aim for home runs. Just do what you can. Try to get another title with the Yanks. But uh, it's great for Aaron Judge to. Uh, being the record books as the AL leader in home runs. Yep. On to uh, the postseason has Christian Lou too. There's one more day in the regular season. So not all matchups are currently set. Um, but, you know, earlier today uh, became official. The Atlanta Braves uh, beat, they, you know, swept the Mets over the weekend and they won a day. At one point, they were 10 and a half games back of the Mets in the division. It seemed like it was the Mets division to lose. But it is, in it is you know, if you're a Braves fan, fortunately, you guys have won the division. Congratulations to the Braves there. I want to call attention to some other history that was made over the week. We had the Seattle Mariners, who had the longest postseason drought in Major League Baseball going into the year. Uh, 2001 was the last time. Um, they had made the playoffs. The 0-1 Mariners, one of the best teams in the regular season history of Major League Baseball, set the wins record. Um, for some context there, my brother was born in 2 So uh, first time in my brother's lifetime, anyone younger than him, that the Mariners are in the playoffs. Uh, Philadelphia last made the playoffs in 2011, the Phillies. So uh, they've clinched a wild card spot, winning a couple games. Brewers falling a bit down the stretch. Um, so the two longest playoff droughts are over in uh, Major League Baseball. You now have the longest drought belonging to the Detroit Tigers and the LA Angels. So those are both eight years uh, each, 2014, their last playoff appearance. Uh, but for Seattle to do it on a walk-off home run, uh, that is something impressive. Because I remember growing up uh, watching Reds games on TV because that's the closest team to us. And I, I kind of like the Reds, too. Uh, second day, looking at my Red Sox. So I would watch those games growing up, my brother being a big fan. And the one year, Jay Bruce hit a home run to clinch a division title for the Reds, and that was just an electric moment. So uh, walk-off home runs to clinch a division or a playoff berth, um, especially for Seattle, which hasn't had the history. Uh, they've been desperately looking for a playoff appearance. And uh, I'm excited to see what they do. They're going to be taking on the Blue Jays, that did become official within the last 30 minutes or so uh, with their win tonight. So Blue Jays Mariners will be one series and on the American League side. The other one, the Cleveland Guardians taking on the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, we will not do predictions on that on this episode just because like that just got announced recently and we haven't had time to prepare our research on those series. But we will off the air 
uh, do our picks in the NL when that becomes official. We will make our picks. Uh, next week, we will uh, recap the wild card series, talk about divisional uh, series as well. Um, but yeah, that's all I want to talk about. I'll go Dalton next. Uh, take it however you want. Anything regarding the MLB playoff uh, picture right now? Um, the MLB playoff picture right now, I think. I know I kind of went on for a bit. What? As I know, I, I kind of went on for a bit, just kind of highlighting a lot of aspects. So anything uh, you want to add, go for it. Anything that I want to add? Um, I'm not, not, not really necessarily. I think, I think just from like an AL perspective, glad to see that the Blue Jays are in the playoffs. Um, as my team, I think that you know it's a good thing. Um. Uh, you know, you know, like obviously, we'll see, we'll see this weekend how it actually plays out. Um, but and just from an MLB's perspective, just expanding the three wild card teams, uh, it's it's such a good thing for the game, and um, I can't wait for the playoffs to start. All right, Christian, your thoughts on the MLB uh, playoff picture and matchups we have? Uh, well, first off, congratulations, to Seattle. Um, I think we, you know, 2001 was the last time uh, Seattle made the playoffs. We were one, two years old. Like, we were very, very young people at the uh, at that time. And this is the first time actually seeing Seattle play in October, uh, really, in our lifetime. It's quite amazing, honestly. But I uh, can't wait for that series, obviously. Um, you know, for Dalton, I kind of hope that, you know, Blue Jays advance the divisional. Uh, for the history making, Seattle would be pretty daggum good to go into the divisionals and play well. Uh, Tampa Bay and the Guardians, you know, they're playing up. The New York Mets really look very good. So, you know, that's going to be, you know, interesting to see how they play going into the year. Um, obviously, I think the favorites are going to be the Dodgers. Um, Dodgers are pretty much the team to beat. Houston's also very good. You know, Yanks and the Braves, the defending champs are really good. Uh, the only thing I got to say about the Braves, man, like very first game of the year, you lost to us. So I'm, I'm all, it's all I'm saying. <laughs> all I'm saying. Uh, I know you had 161 more, but uh, 61, 81. Wait, I don't know. Yeah, 162 games total, so 161 more. Like, I, I'm having a brain fart. I'm, I apologize, <laughs> but – uh, winning the first game of the year, you know, when you've lifted the banners up, Cincinnati Reds beat you. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but, no, I think the, uh, I think the Dodgers are still the team to beat. Um, obviously, they have to shoot themselves in the foot during this playoff race to uh, lose. But, um, no, I'm, I'm pretty excited for the MLB playoffs. I think my team is Tampa Bay still. Um, you know, Tampa – it, you know, Florida, the whole state in general, you know, having a tough time right now after Hurricane Ian. Um, a lot of damage through Tampa, a lot of damage throughout the state. Uh, it would be amazing for Tampa Bay to uh, uh, to win this series against the Guardians and to obviously go pretty deep in the uh, uh, World Series hunt uh, this year in the, po- in the postseason. But you know, we'll see how it goes, but I think Dodgers are the favorites, but my favorite team is uh, Tampa Bay. So, we'll yeah. see how it goes starting Friday. Yeah, cannot wait. Because uh, I know we, we're casual MLB observers, I think that's safe to say for the three of us. But playoff time in any sport, 
ramps up viewerships, and I will be definitely making sure to catch those games. Uh, Dawn, I'll throw it to you for the update in the world of motorsports. Perfect. Thank you, Spence. Um, let's go ahead and start with NASCAR. There was a race over in Talladega. Talladega over the weekend. And it's uh, kind of sick. Chase Elliott won. Um, he pulled it out. Um, I didn't think that he was going to, to be honest with you. Uh, I thought that it would have been somebody else. Uh, I know that um, Denny Hamlin had been running pretty well all year, so I thought he had a pretty good chance. Um, and maybe a couple other guys. But Chase Elliott, been having a pretty good year as well. His starting position was in 16th. He was able to get up to first and stay up there. Uh, pulled out the win. Uh, Ryan Blady came in second. Michael McDowell in third, Ross Chastain in fourth, Denny Hamlin in fifth. Denny Hamlin being the only to uh, the the only Toyota car uh, to come in the top five. Uh, two Chevys at one and four, and then two Fords at two and three. Um, the next race uh, is going to be the Charlotte Motor Speedway Road Course. That's going to be on October 9th at one p.m. on NBC. Uh, it's got it's got 109 laps and then 252.88 uh, miles. Um, interesting to see who wins that one. Um, just more track info. Um, caution speeds about 45 miles per hour. So when they come into coming off the off the road course uh, for for anything, you know, I guess keep that in mind because you don't want to get penalized for speeding. Um, we're still in the championship 12. Um, this is actually the last race in the championship 12. And then we get into the round of eight and that will be October 16th in Vegas. Um, let's go ahead and go to the standings real quick. Um, so right now we're sitting at just Chase Elliott's leading the playoff standings with 46 right now. Ryan Blaney's got 15, uh, Ross Chastain's got 20, um, but, you know, the points, you know, people can have a lot of points and it just, it, it varies depending on the driver. Um, but in terms of like place and standings right now, Chase Elliott's still in first, Ryan Blaney's in second, Ross Chastain in third, Danny Hamlin in fourth, Joey Logano in fifth, Kyle Larson in sixth, Daniel Suarez in seventh, Chase Briscoe in eighth. And on the bubble, um, just with some of these other guys, um, Austin Sendrick in, the, in ninth, um, William Byron in tenth, Christopher Bell in eleventh. Um, Alex Bowman will not be able to run this weekend. He suffered an injury uh, at this past race, if I'm not mistaken, um, and so he, somebody else, will be forty-eight car. Um, So that's kind of what it's looking like uh, for NASCAR. I'm just going to go over the owner standings, and then we'll get right into um, Formula 1. So Hendrick Motorsports, no surprise, uh, is leading the owner standings, followed by Trackhouse Racing. Trackhouse Racing is where is who Ross Chastain races for. Joe Gibbs Racing is in third. Team Penske in fourth. Hendrick Motorsports in fifth. 
So it seems like, you know, Joe Gibbs having a pretty good year, Trackhouse having a pretty good year, uh, Hendrick Motorsports, of course. Um, and sorry, let's go to Formula One now. Um, there was a race in Singapore. And thank goodness Max Verstappen did not win. My gosh, I would have lost my you-know-what if he if he won. Um, Formula One gets to live on for another day. Um, Sergio Perez, actually, his teammate, uh, Max Verstappen's teammate, ended up winning winning the race, um, followed by Charles Leclerc, uh, Carlos Sainz, and actually very surprising, McLaren's um, two drivers – Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo finishing out the top five, uh, rounding out the top five, excuse me. Um, Max Verstappen actually came in seventh. Uh, and so, you know, we were thinking, you know, going into the week, they were going to have some, they were have some fuel issues, some engine issues, well, not engine issues, but, you know, they were running out of gas, stuff like that. You know, I ended up just coming around like this. It actually happened. Um, that he was not he was not going to win this race, and he did not win the race. Um, Sergio Perez had a flawless drive. He actually went under went 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 I casually went under uh, some some inspection uh, to make sure that it was a fair win, and it was. So, congrats to him. Uh, both the Ferrari teammates, Charles and Carlos, uh, were able to bounce back after the last couple races and finish two and three respectively. So good for them. Way to get on the pole. Um, I'm going to get on to, um, yeah, pretty great. Um, just some news before I go into the standings. F, uh, uh, what came out nine hours ago, X F1 boss, Bernie, eh, Clistone, I think if I'm not gonna, I'm pretty, pretty sure I messed that up, but he's going to stand trial over, uh, 400 million and fraud charges um pretty shocking actually uh dude's 91 years old um and he in the single count of fraud by false representation between 2013 and 2016 um he'll he will turn 92 later this month was charged following a uh investigation by HM Revenue and Customs into his finances. He alleged to have failed to declare a trust in Singapore with a bank account containing around 650 million as part of the, the probe, which would have allowed the business to magnate to draw a line under any previous tax irregularities. Um so he is not asked to formally enter a plea. Uh, and so the trial date is going to be October 9th, 2023. Um, obviously, he has three grown-up daughters, and you know that's pretty, pretty interesting. I think uh, we'll see how that plans out. But um, yeah, that's all the news. Let's go to the standings for Stappen still in first, but I think it's getting a little bit closer, just a smidge. Actually, I don't really know how close it's going to really get. But Max Verstappen got six points this weekend. Charles Leclerc got 18. Uh, Perez got 25. Saints got 15. Hamilton got two. Norris got 12. Ricardo got 10. Um, and so Verstappen has 341 points right now. Leclerc has got 237. So can Leclerc just 
eh, bridge that gap just a little bit more. Uh, we shall see. Uh, it's going to take a lot, a lot of help. Uh, he's going to need his teammates and uh, his team to really, really help him out and include, and it, well, also including his driving. But um, it's going to take a real team effort to to really get closer to Max. Um, Max's teammate, Sergio Perez, has got 235, followed by George Russell, Mr. Consistency, uh, with 203, and Carlos Sainz rounding out the top five with 202. But the constructor standings, nothing's really changed. It's pretty much been your t- your your main three: uh, Red Bull at the top, Merce- uh, Ferrari at number two, Mercedes at number three. Red Bull five hundred and seventy six points, Ferrari at four hundred thirty nine, and Mercedes at three hundred seventy three. And then it just drops off after that. Um, if you were curious, uh, if anybody was curious listening to this podcast, McLaren is in fourth, Alpine's in fifth, courtesy of your ESPN app. Okay, that's where you can find it. And if you don't believe me, well, it probably changed by the time you listen to this podcast. So I get it. Um, the next race is in Japan. Let's go. The Honda Japanese Grand Prix in Suzuka. Uh, the Suzuka circuit. Um, it's going to be Sunday at 12 a.m., Wow, that's a late start, but I'm here for it. Um, 12 a.m. Central, um, 1 p.m. Oh, excuse me. That's actually a pretty late start. Um, 12 a.m. Central, 1 a.m. Eastern. Uh, and for those of you listening on Mountain and Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Or 11 p.m., excuse me. Um, Mountain, 10 p.m. Uh, Pacific. Um, so we'll see, we'll see, can, can, can Ferrari put on a good showing again? That's what I really want to know. Um, again, I, I think, you know, Verstappen's probably going to win this race. Um, I hope he doesn't because I kind of want to, I kind of want to see a different champion. That's just me. Kind of want to see a different champion. Um, but I think, I, I just, I just think that Red Bull's team is just too good. They're just... They're just above everyone else, I feel like. And, you know, they've been they've been doing well all season. And I they're part of me part of me thinks that, you know, this was just fluke. Like Verstappen's not gonna come in like unless there's something really wrong with his Formula One car. He's not gonna place below top five again. Like that's probably not gonna happen. So if we're being completely honest with ourselves, I mean, we should see Verstappen win this race. I'd be shocked if he didn't. Um, and so, I like how last week was and the year before. Um, after Honda, we have four races left. So that's where we're at. We have October 23rd, October 30th, November 13th, and November 20th. And then the Formula One season's over. Um just a sneak peek after after Japan. Also, uh, we have the United States Grand Prix in Austin, Texas, uh, where I'm currently located. I'm not going to give you the exact location because you don't deserve it. But um, yes, so Circuit of the Americas uh, in Austin, Texas, hell of a mat- hell of a place, really. I mean, it's it's just astounding. Um, 
been there once or twice and it just blows you away immediately. Um, very, very huge, but, um, what a great place to be. And I think, you know, formula one really getting into these, um, cities, these big cities in the U S uh, really trying to expand their brand, um, and, uh, gather more following, uh, and which is, which is, was, it still is a very, very, uh, smart decision, um, uh, for them. So, uh, that's kind of what we're looking at with formula one and, uh, yeah, I'm All right, thanks for that. Dalton, we will be taking a brief ad break. When we return, we will discuss what is going on in the NFL, so stick around. And we're back from our ad break. We will start with one of the biggest storylines in the entire NFL. Uh, we would not be doing our job if we did not address this. It seems like it's forever ago because this was the Thursday night game when this happened, but and also last week, too. Tua Tungabaloa, the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. It doesn't take a genius. Like, he was banged up the other day. Uh, if you watched a couple Sundays ago when they took on the Bills, he definitely exhibited concussion-like symptoms, uh, you know, stumbling over as he gets up from a hard hit. Definitely should not have been... Uh, I'm getting, We're not doctors on this. We don't pretend to be doctors, but... Uh, I'm sure you've listened to other podcasts or other media pundits say this. Like you could tell something was off with Tua and what was going on there. The, he ends up playing Thursday night, gets injured because he gets sacked, and you know it's really obvious that he's in pain. His fingers lock up, uh, very gruesome looking. Although not gruesome to Amazon Prime, because they kept showing the replays of the hit and uh, what Tua looked like after the hit several times. Um, just Overall, a scary situation. You hope first and foremost as a person that Tua is all right. This is bigger than sports, obviously. Um, he may, if he plays again or he doesn't play again, it's irrelevant. It's is his health, uh, his physical health, the rest of his life because it was one of those scary situations, and everyone involved just kind of overlooked the obvious. It seems uh, Miami. The, or the NFL, I think it was, came out. They fired the, I forget the exact term that they used, but the person in charge at the Dolphins that was basically supposed to make sure that, like, if you're concussed, you don't play, uh, and that they they fired him, which that is an admission right there to me that hey, you knew something was up and you ignore all these signs. Uh, hope it was worth it. You know, you beat Buffalo. And then you lose to the Bengals and you possibly lost your quarterback for the rest of the year. Hope it was worth it to be win that one game that you couldn't sit out your quarterback um, and, you know, the rest for a few weeks just so you can heal. Because, again, there's a lot of neuroscientists that can, neurosurgeons can explain a lot better than I can on the trauma with the brain and take all those hits. Um, just overall, scary situation, hoping to uh, has a speed recovery. Um, just for himself. If he plays again this year, you know, if he gets cleared by an actual doctor, uh, he plays again this year, you know, great. If he doesn't play again this year, then I, I would be fine with that as long as it's, you know, in the name of, you know, player safety, which the NFL claims to be about. Now show it here with how you handle Tua going forward. Uh, I'll go Christian next here. Your thoughts on the uh, Tua Tagovailoa situation. Uh, this situation should have never happened. 
Um, and you know, the medical, the medical team, medical staff of the Miami Dolphins should take a hundred percent credit for what happened. Um, Tua Tagovailoa, like Spencer mentioned, I mean, he got hurt uh, in the in the Sunday game with, against Buffalo, and his hit it looked like a whiplash. You know, it, you know, it just bounces off the turf, and like he gets up, kind of you know wobbly legs, and he's like shaking it off, and then he takes three or four steps later and just collapses. And after I saw that, I'm like, okay, he should not be in the he should be in the game for the rest of the game. And possibly miss Cincinnati because of what just happened. You know, some things are just bigger than football. And you've got to understand when it talks, when it's about a man's health, personal health, and the brain is completely different than um, an ankle or a shoulder or, you know, a rib or anything like that. Like, you can have, you know, a pain in your back for the rest of your life. That's fine. You know, Take, you know, shoulder pain. I'll take that all day. You get, you know, your brain knocked around where, I mean, we know about the CTE and there's so many uh, former professional athletes, not just in football, just athletes in general who get knocked in the head. Muhammad Ali, like with boxers. There's professional wrestlers and you hear those stories sometimes. The concussions and head injuries are not something to just kind of gloss over. And the fact that he played, he not only just played the rest of the game, he got he got out and like a couple series later, got right back in and they won the game. But at the same time, there's just kind of like he got hit in the head. He shouldn't have played. So the NFL PA and, you know, wants to have an investigation and see what the heck happened. So, of course, in a short week and how the schedule was built, Miami played that Thursday against the Cincinnati Bengals. In the second quarter, Tua gets sacked, and he took he takes a nasty hit where, I mean, you just see the angle of his, you know, hit the you trying to hold his helmet, and his fingers are, like, kind of cramped, and, uh, like, you know, some of them are stiff, some of them are, like, curled. And it's like, oh my goodness, Tua is not in the best shape right now. And everybody on that Friday was like, everybody, like someone should take credit for this and be fired. Somebody needs to lose their job over this. And it's absolutely sad that we have situations like this where it's like, it's got to be taken to that limit. Everybody knew this. Everybody knew Tua was going to be hurt. You still play him, and he got hurt even worse. Like that is just a bad, it's a bad look for Miami. He was already in, you know, a whole bunch of controversy with the whole Brian Flores. Um, pe- you know, I'm not saying it was. I'm just saying a lot of people think it was a racist uh, move to get him out. Miami has been in a lot of heat, and they got worse with the whole Tua situation. And the fact that Mike McDaniel um, said that the medical staff did everything they were supposed to do and Tua should have played, honestly, has not played football himself or has not experienced injuries like this. I don't care if they did everything by the book. If it is a head injury, a head injury, do not play him. 
I, I'm I'm serious. Like, if you lose against the Cincinnati Bengals, play Teddy Bridgewater, lose to Cincinnati, then go home. Think about playing two of the next week against the Jets, because honestly, you can you know 17 games. Oh, we can't lose all 17. We started out so good. Whatever his analytics wants to say, they started out good. I mean, Buffalo Bills are still one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl still. They they lost to Miami, and obviously we know about how Dorsey feels about that loss. They just came back against the Baltimore Ravens down 20-3. to Buffalo is a real team. So they can lose a game, and they're probably going to lose a couple more and still be the favorites in the AFC and overall NFL. So Miami, who's have a good record, they're, I believe, 3-2. They, they are fine at the moment. So just be fine with what's going to happen and, you know, move on. You got the Jets to play. Are you kidding me? Yes, the Jets beat uh, Pittsburgh by four with a quarter with an offense that looks like crap. And defense is not the same without T.J. Watt. You're going to be fine against the Jets. Chill against the Cincinnati Bengals, who aren't the same Bengals from a year ago. This situation should have never happened, never got any further than what happened in, uh, happened against Buffalo uh, last Sunday, So or two Sundays ago. So it, it's a terrible situation. That's my rant just because – I've seen injuries like this. I've, you know, I've had multiple concussions, and it's not the best. And the fact that, you know, just in the overall experience of having a concussion is painful enough. Having a concussion and then not even a week later play another football game, like high-pressure football game, and have to study your defense and study a couple of new plays you may have to do to try and beat an opposing team. That takes a lot out of you. It really can. So, uh, God, you know, prayers up to Tua. Tua's probably going to be out for more than a week uh, after all that, all that situation. Uh, the NFLPA's interview process where they're actually going to interview Tua. Uh, I think that was like – I think that was today, uh, you know, Tuesday, October 4th or uh, Wednesday, October 5th. They're going to interview him and see if he can be cleared because obviously the protocol is not working where it's like, what day is it? Do you know your name? Do you know who we're playing? All that stuff, that needs to get thrown away. So uh, just prayers up to Tua and hopefully he can have a speed of recovery and Miami should be a real shame of themselves after what happened. All right. Dalton, your thoughts on the, uh, the Tua situation. Yeah, it's a freaking joke, dude. It's a freaking joke. Like, this is so this is ridiculous. Like, I don't I don't understand why why teams just can't get it get it down, Pat, that these guys I mean, Christian, you went first and you pretty much had all the points that I was gonna say. Um but like I'm just gonna piggyback just a little bit off of everything that that Christian said because I mean, he's he's experienced it more than he's experienced more regarding this sport and this this topic than Spencer and I ever will. Like that's that's just how it is, and so he's probably more equipped to to rant and and talk about it. But let me just say this: like these guys, 
these guys are people outside and off, like off the football field. They have families, okay? They're they're their sons, their husbands, their brothers, whatever. Okay? Like these people have lives. They have lives to live. They would like to live for a long time. So when we put in these safety measures, we put them in for a reason. And so as the NFL and as um like a huge like brand, we're talking about like one of the biggest sports leagues in the entire like US, the entire world actually. You know, they're playing games over in London and Germany and wherever the hell else they're playing them. So like you put these you put these things in you better like follow them and actually be looking out for the players. After all, this is a player-driven league. At least I think it's a player-driven league. I mean, I'm sure as hell not gonna watch a backup quarterback play another backup quarterback on a Sunday when I can be doing my homework instead. I'm gonna watch it because Tom Brady's playing. I'm gonna watch it because Aaron Rodgers is playing. I'm gonna watch it because star quarterbacks are playing. I like points. Uh, I like to like watch uh, stars go up against other stars. Um, and so when you don't treat them or you don't like follow these protocols correctly, uh, and people get hurt and it's, 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 gets like a scary thing to see. Um, and we're obviously, they're obviously trying to take good measures by putting on the guardian caps and all that stuff for practices. But what about the games? Uh, we talk about this. We talked about this issue in my sports marketing class. Are we eventually and 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 and, and excuse me and also in my ethics class? But like, are we eventually going to get to the fact where we can't play football? Like, is that how it's going to be? Like these concussions, these things happening on the field are going to get to the point where, as viewers and as people, we can't put our children in football. We can't watch football because nobody knows what to do. When somebody gets rocked in the head, he's like, oh, he'll be okay. Let's put him back in the game. That's how people get killed. That's how we, we, how many injuries like this shit happen in like the world that nobody's really paying attention. But I get it. And I, I completely understand. The NFL is trying to make money. And so you got to put him back in there. So you don't, you don't, you don't want to lose viewers and you want to make your money. Well, now two is going to be out for Lord knows how long. So now you're going to lose money anyway. So how does that make sense? You could have just taken him out of the game and put in your backup, and it would have been okay. It would literally would have been okay. But instead, you know, now Tua is trying to recover while you still have to put in your backup. The, the, you, the Dolphins make no sense to me because – First of all, they hire this guy who I thought he was going to hire. And then they go through this situation with Tua. And they go to an outside consultant who is not even a, a part of the team at all for, like a, for, for a nice little opinion on whether Tua should play or not. Like, what does that consultant know anything about football? Why didn't you go to the, I don't know, the people who work for the Dolphins to try to figure it out and make sure that, you know, if Tua is not feeling great, maybe he shouldn't be playing football that week. 
maybe it might be best to keep him out and go with somebody else until Tua gets better. It only makes sense, I feel like. I feel like, you know, that's that would be the logical decision. Um, that is insane to me that people would make certain decisions like these and put other players in harm's way when they're already in harm's way to begin with. Like, you're playing tackle football. You're playing some – I mean, these people are – you know, 20 miles per hour going at full speed at one another. Like, you're playing some pretty hard stuff. And and so these players are already at risk. And so when you have a concussion, that already adds to it even more. Uh, I feel like I'm just being redundant here, um, and especially with all the points that Christian made earlier. But it's just, it's just insane. It, it's really insane to me. And... Now someone just looking uh, from a different perspective uh, at this league, they are making so much money. They're making so much money, and yet their concussion protocols are not very good. And they are not taking into account that it is just it's it's got to be fixed somehow, or eventually it's going to get to the point where people are not going to play football. Football is going to turn into the sport of boxing. It's it, it, it might. It might. It won't have a lot of popularity, but with a bunch of other, um, you know, there will be some people who are willing to pay for it if things don't get fixed. I mean, it's got to it's gotta get fixed. Um, by the way, that football turning into boxing thing, uh, shout out to my ethics uh, class, my ethics professor for that one. Um uh, Saw it in an article somewhere. Uh, thought he would bring it up inside the proper source. So, uh, shout out to them. Um, but like, it, it's it's insane. It really is. Um, I have nothing else. So <laughs> that's yeah. I'm done. I'm done. All right. Thanks for that, Dalton. Uh. Now, just before we do our uh, recap with favorite teams, etc., I just want to let uh, um, announce we have one undefeated team left, the Eagles. Dolphins were previously undefeated, and they uh, suffered defeat to the Bengals. Uh, and the Raiders got their first win of the season, so you're down to one winless team, the Texans, who are 0-3-1 because of a tie. Uh, we will follow the pursuit of the perfect season for the Eagles, and the pursuit of a winless year for the Texans, because that's going to be something fun to monitor. Uh, but let's start with our recap. Favorite team, um, we only have two games to discuss because Patriots-Packers played each other. Uh, so here are my perspective. You'll get Christian's perspective of the game. Uh, I'll start. I mean, if you listened to last week's episode, you know I had no faith going into this game. Uh, I'm sure Dahl remembers my rant very vividly on how I said this team will be terrible. Brian Hoyer is in charge. I have no faith in Brian Hoyer. I'm not going to rehash that. Um, but I, I thought it would be a blowout. Then Hoyer gets goes down uh, with uh, head injury, possible concussion. Uh, in steps Bailey Zappi, rookie fourth rounder out of Western Kentucky, previously played at uh, what was then known as Houston Baptist, now Houston Christian University in Houston, Texas. Uh, but Bailey Zappi came in off the bench and – 
you knew there was going to be a limited game plan just because it's a rookie who wasn't even planned to start, wasn't planned on playing. He was inactive for the first three games. I know the team didn't trust him, but you usually only have two quarterbacks on the, quote, active uh, 46-man roster. So Bailey Zabby, you know, kind of, you know, was in practice and everything. And I was excited to see what he showed. Statistically, not that impressive. You can argue 10 for 15, 99 yards, took three sacks, uh, no, no interceptions, had one touchdown pass. They threw to Devontae Parker on a beautiful play early in the game. Um, but Aaron Rodgers, the first half of the game, I thought he was terrible. I mean, just c- compared to any standards of quarterback play, it was not a good first half for Aaron Rodgers. Of course, that half ended with a pick six to rookie Jack Jones. Uh, there's a lot of Jones on the Patriots. There's Jack Jones, Marcus Jones, Jonathan Jones, uh, Mac Jones, the quarterback. Um, so many Joneses on the team. They love them in New England. Uh, but Jack Jones intercepts return for a touchdown right before the half. And I Joe just like, yeah, Rodgers threw a beautiful touchdown pass there. Um so New England came, went to the half up 10-7. Of course, third quarter, you know, Robert Tunyon scores. Then you have Bailey Zappi throws a beautiful pass to Devontae Parker uh to go up. Uh they go into the fourth quarter at 17 all in Lambeau Field. You have a rookie fourth round quarterback. Uh, who wasn't even planning on playing this game. You, you didn't want him to play if you're Belichick uh, and, you know, Matt Patricia probably. But then they went to a uh, running uh, attack in the fourth quarter. Seemed a lot, everyone kind of knew they were going to rush. Uh, as you could tell in overtime, they kind of because uh, I spoiler, they went to overtime. Green Bay cast stopped the run a bit. But you have D- Damien Harris from Andre Stevenson has some big plays on the ground. They just kept pounding it with Ramondre. And I, I kind of joked a little tongue in cheek there that Ramondre Stevenson's running in the fourth quarter reminded me of that uh, Sony Michelle performance in Super Fifty Three against the Rams, where even you know it's going to this guy, but yet you can't really stop him because he'll just gain four or five yards on each carry that he gets. Uh, Sony England drives down, Damian Harris punches in late, and then you can't. Green Bay's never out of it, uh, of course. Romeo Dobbs has a touchdown catch. Almost had a second one, but they ruled, you know, did not survive the ground. A little bit of a, you know, Des Bryant, which, I mean, Christian, you're going to hate me for this, but it was very ironic, and I was laughing at the Packers being on the other end of a play similar to the Des Bryant play in the playoffs of, uh, about, what, well, this was a decade ago, it seems, at this point, maybe. It was funny. Yeah, 2014, 2015, yeah. Yeah, it was just, to me, seeing the Packers on the other end, of a Des Bryant situation where it was a, you know, was it a catch? Was it not a catch? Uh was funny to me. Uh You go to overtime because no one could punch it in. And once, like, both teams got one possession because it's only 10 minutes. Green Bay got the ball back. And it was one of those situations where it's like, we're probably going to lose, but if we can keep it to a longer field goal, um, there might be a chance. But, you know, the rushing attack, Aaron Jones, 16 for 110. He had a hell of a day. Hat tip to him. A.J. Dillon, too. Um, you know, they made some plays. Got in a field goal range. And, of course, um, you know, Mason Crosby walks it off with a field goal as time expires in overtime. Uh, Green Bay goes to 3-1. and one, New England's 1-3. and three. Uh, I will say this from New England perspective here. Um, you know, this game was very reminiscent of last year. Week 4, you have Tampa Bay, Tom Brady returning home to Foxborough. 
it's a game that you people are probably thinking you should lose. You're not that good of a team. Um, but your quarterback play looks better than you expected. You compete with them to the very end. Of course, you remember, you know, last year, Nick Folk had a chance for the game-winning field goal, and it just hit the upright, and, you know, he missed it. Um, but they were very close to, to winning that game last year. After that game, New was 1-3. And, and then what they do, they rally off a bunch of wins in a row. Um, at one point, they were the one seed in the AFC. They led the division. Um, but then they kind of, you know, they stumbled down the stretch uh, and may end up making the playoffs as a wild card team and then getting boat raced by Buffalo in the first game of the playoffs. Um, do I think that they can do a similar thing to last year? I think it's possible. Um, schedule's sort of favorable if you want to look at it ahead. You know, I don't want to spend too much time at, you know, Lions, Browns, Bears, Jets, Colts, Jets. You know, those are very winnable games coming up for New England that, if they play as they did against the Packers, even with Bailey Zappi at quarterback until Matt comes back, it's definitely winnable games. The offense has to get some stuff going, and they look competent at all, albeit on a limited offense in this week's game. Um, but, yeah, don't be shocked New England goes on a bit of a run um, going forward, similar to what they did last year. Uh, a little bit of parallels with last season. Uh, so, Christian, I'll have you... Uh, from the Packers' perspective on the game, uh, your thoughts on it? Well, obviously, you know, couldn't you know be on the uh, on the podcast last week, but I would have said uh, kind of similar to Broncos Seahawks, uh, where like it's Green Bay. Next question. Uh, but no, Bailey Zappi played a very good game uh, when Brian Horrier went down uh, when he was sacked, and Zappi came in, took three more hits, but. He, you know, he was a really fine quarterback. You know, he played a fine game. Um, he didn't have, like, over-the-top numbers, you know, 10 to 15, not even 100 yards. But he did what he could. Uh, he had a QBR of uh, 16, but a rating of 107. You don't really see that. But, you know, he didn't have the stats to put up, you know, to beat the Packers. But he played a good job at, you know, his first real game. Uh, since being drafted in the NFL. And he took on one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and just a kind of struggling team to find its identity in Green Bay. Um, It's a struggle. Like, it's just a struggle. I don't know how Aaron Rodgers hasn't just completely snapped on everybody. He's throwing the children and to Randall Cobb. He he trusts his one tight end and one receiver that was there last year. He, I don't know how he hasn't just kind of blown up already. New England has also been lucky on two of their touchdowns. Obviously, a pick six. Um, great jump by Jones uh, to run it back for a pick six. But also, uh, when Bailey Zappi threw his pass to Devontae Parker, the play cock was at zero and even restarted counting down to about 38 seconds until the ball was snapped. Referees, of course, did not want to see that. I'll give you that. That was a little ridiculous that they allowed it. I understand if it's zero and it's snapped, okay, like that's, you know, that's fine. But it restarted and and started counting down, and then then they snapped the ball. Like, that that play should not have happened. And, again, I'm not going to blame decision, you know, blame stuff what happens, missed calls. Happen all the time, 
But when people are very like the second they hit zero and sometimes the refs blow the whistle, you had a good two, three seconds that zero has hit the clock. Well, funny thing was they were coming off of a previous delay. They had delay of game that backed them up five yards. They should have had back-to-back delay of games, which would have been infuriating as a fan, but no, they should have like, had two straight delay of games. Two straight delay of games, and the refs just kind of like, okay, we're not going to think about that. And then, you know, that play is a touchdown. So, a couple people on Green Bay's side were like, what's going on? That the clock hit zero. We're out of position. And uh, Bailey threw to Devontae. It's a touchdown. And I'm not going to argue. Devontae Parker, former Louisville Cardinal, you know, love to see him get some more touchdowns. But not against my Green Bay Packers. You know, <laughs> I there's there's a line that has to be crossed. Um, but, yeah, Green Bay obviously kind of – you know, plays through a competition a little bit besides the Vikings. Um, got the crap kicked out of them against Minnesota. Beat the crap out of Chicago because it's, you know, Chicago. And then tough game against Tampa Bay. Tough game against New England. So, next, you know, next couple of weeks, we got the uh, – playing a lot of uh, Northeastern teams uh, over the stretch. You know, we got the Patriots, obviously, and Giants and Jets next, Commanders, the next, Bills. I mean, we don't play – all over the next month and a half, we all play just teams up northeast. So, I mean, we do play the NFC, you know, the AFC, we, AFC East and the NFC East. So, obviously, we're going to play against those teams. But, you know, it's going to be a little bit tough struggle. You know, a little tough struggle. Uh, throughout the season, you know, we don't know exactly who the number one receiver is. Is it Lazard? Could it be Watson? Is it Aaron Jones? I don't know. Um, but yeah, Green Bay won off of a, you know, last second Mason Crosby kick. We are three and one going into uh, week five. So hopefully we can stay afloat, but I just highly doubt my team. Okay. To another person who also doubts his team, Dalton, I'll have you discuss what went down on Monday Night Football. Yeah, it was 49ers week, and uh, what happened is uh, uh, the Rams did not come to play. That's what happened. And no, I'm not going to sit here like last year. I'm not going to sit here after the 31-10 to 10 loss and the infamous run the damn ball segment. I'm not going to do that again. But let me just – try to get this straight um they they've got problems um that i'm not sure are fixable um their offensive line is banged up um Van Jefferson has not played. He is the main deep threat. They drafted Tutu Atwell, who seems at this point to not play, obviously. And just, I don't know, he has yet to play this season or been contributing in any way, shape, or form. Um, On the offensive side, God... There was a bunch of offensive linemen that went down. I'm not going to be using excuses because they're two and two, but I'm going to explain why they have not been playing very well. 
And believe me, I'm going to get to the fan getting on the field in a minute. Um, so the Rams offensively, Matthew Stafford only trusts Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby. Um, Allen Robinson can't get open. And Matthew Stafford, when, when Allen Robinson is open, is not throwing the ball. Um, they can't seem to run the ball because their offensive line is injured. And they can't seem to get any good running, like at all. Like they're they're Cam Akers is is running okay, meh. Daryl Anderson is running meh. They abandoned the run too early. They refuse to actually, I don't know, put together a good game plan. It feels like uh, their red zone offense has not been great this season. The only two teams, the only two wins that they have on the season are against the Falcons. Whom they blow, whom they blew a twenty-eight to three lead to, and the oh gosh, getting who was their first win? The Cardinals, yes, the Cardinals in Arizona, which they had a lead going into that halftime as well. And so, the way I see it is that the Rams are going to beat the teams that they're supposed to, and then all the good teams, all the playoff teams that they're maybe, you know, it's going to get a little bit more competitive with, they're going to lose because they don't want to play football. I completely understand it. It's fine. It's fine. If you don't want to play against good teams and good competition and win against good competition, that is completely okay. I get it. It's probably also a psychological thing. The Rams are 0-7 and seven in the last seven matchups against the 49ers. Would you believe it? In regular season, they are 0-7. and seven. Can you imagine... Losing this to a team seven times, seven straight times, that must have a massive toll on you psychologically. I mean, it must take all of you not to just scream and punch a wall. Well, um, hold on. I'll stop you for a second. We did discuss Miami had lost seven straight to Buffalo before winning in week three. That's fantastic. Good for Miami. Um. Buffalo is not San Francisco. Let's get that straight as well. All right. San Francisco is far and away. As someone who plays them twice a year, San Francisco has a better team, a better coach. Um, has Durant made it to the Super Bowl in, I don't know, the past four years? No, he hasn't. Um, if they had anybody but Jimmy G as quarterback, literally anybody. Well, anybody that was – Better than Jimmy G, they probably the Super Bowl by now. Maybe a couple. They are physical. They are tough. Give San Francisco credit. They were at home. They should have won at home, and they won by a lot. They were favored to win that game to begin with. Their spread it was it was like I think it was two, maybe three, three point spread for a divisional matchup, and they did it. They took care of business. It was close going into the fourth quarter. They had a chance. Uh, they had a chance to, the Rams did, of course, had a chance to get it really, 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 really close. Um, but, excuse me. Can you still hear me? Yep. Okay, good. Um, the Rams going into the fourth quarter, they had a really, really good shot to, to get it to, to, like, try to win that ball game. And Matthew Stafford, Pick six, um, which put it out of reach. So 
just it it's fine it's really okay okay so they're gonna want to play when they want to play they're gonna want to run the ball when they want to and i'm just gonna have to accept the fact that they're not gonna bring the bring their all every single week that's just what i'm gonna have to accept okay and i get it the injuries it can mess with the team a few a few years ago i think it was 2017 2018 um, or maybe it was the year after they made it to the Super Bowl, the 49ers, they were just injury riddled to start the season. I mean, I'm talking they're starting running back, torn ACL, Nick Bosa ACL, their whole team ACL. Um, and it had the game. Injuries are part of the game, and that's why you have depth. That's why, you know, the next guy comes in and he takes over. Um now let's get to the defense. Uh now that I'm, you know, realizing is Cooper Cup centric. Let's get to the defense. And so the cornerbacks, uh, it's very, very thin right now. Um, I have questions about whether Debbie, uh, I have questions about whether our rookie Darion Kendrick can cover. Um, I have questions about tackle. Uh, at this point, they couldn't tackle Debo Samuel in the open field, but yet when a fan gets onto the field, then they want to tackle him. Okay, that makes no freaking sense to me. Okay, Devo Samuel put seven points on the board. That was rolling, was freaking running around with, man. But let's seriously. So you guys are gonna take time out, time out to tend to the fan. And Devo Samuel is banging his head on the goalpost after running for fifty-seven. Then uh, you don't want to, tackle. you just want to go for his legs. Okay, you look at in the chest okay you have to hit him he is built like a running back that plays wide receiver okay he's he is big he's a beast okay Debo is very very good he's built very well and plays really well so I don't know why they just want to go for his legs when he just avoids them breaks tackles he looks for contact you have to hit him very hard Okay, that's that's what they did in the NFC title game last year, and they end up. I mean, obviously the offense was able to move the ball well, but defensively they were able to really, 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 you know, play San Francisco. Last night was so one-sided that it seemed just like the last year's matchup in in San Francisco, thirty-one to ten. This one's twenty-four to nine. So you know they went back a little bit by not scoring as many points, but. I think, you know, defense has got to get better. The defense has got to get better. And the offense has to figure out what their identity is. Because right now, they're throwing it to Cooper Cup, and that's pretty much it. And they're not really running the ball. They run it a few times, and they pass and pass and pass and pass and pass and keep passing until eventually Matthew Matthew Stafford's arm just gets so freaking tired that they might as well just put the backup in. I mean, at that point. Um they just, I just don't, I just don't understand it. Okay, I don't seem to get why this is such a tough matchup for them. Okay, this football is a physical sport. Kyle Shanahan's thinking right that maybe, maybe I should have a physical football team. I mean, it is pretty physical, and you know, I should just have a physical football team. Why doesn't everybody else they think like that? Okay, my freaking Kyle wants to run it down your throat. Freaking Kyle wants his defense to be playing super duper duper physical um, and hitting you in the mouth. 
why doesn't why doesn't the Rams play the exact same way? No, let's not do that. No, let's not do that. You know, let's go ahead and play like how we usually play against the Falcons or the Cardinals and just see if we can get away with a win. No, we don't go and hit them in the mouth. We don't strike first. Let's let them strike first and then we No, let's not no, let's not let's never be on the offensive. No, no, let's let's not do that. It's fine. It's fine. Keep it up and we're just gonna go right on into not missing not making the playoffs. Okay, that's that's how it's gonna be. All right. Fine. You can lose your two again to San Francisco this year. Lose it again when they come to Los Angeles. I don't give a crap. I really don't. Okay, because I know you never know, come to play when they when it comes to playing San Francisco. Okay. It comes to a point where, as a fan, you're just like, are they ever going to want to beat this team? Seriously. Are they ever going to want to beat them in the regular season? I mean, is, is something ever going to come over them and be like, oh, my gosh, I really hate this team and I really, really want to beat them? No. Let's just not do that. That's fine. Let's just not do that. Okay? They can just – they can beat you every time, every year. It'll be two charity wins for the San Francisco 49ers, two easy wins. So they, they, 49ers look at their schedule every year, and they're like, oh, the Rams, that's a W. Let's just put two Ws before we even start. I don't care who the quarterback is for their the San Francisco 49ers team. It'll be two Ws. Let's just put that down before we even start, before we can get it going. And uh, I think the bright spot of this team has got to be the special teams unit. Okay, they've been – Perfect all season. Got to give them credit where credit is due. Matt Gay uh, has been something special for the squad, and uh, he has done a terrific job. Now, in terms of the punter, he had a blocked punt earlier this season, and let's be honest, that was not a bright spot. Uh, Not something that I wanted to see, especially from the punter position. Um, And, uh, yeah, I think Matt Gay has done a terrific job. Everybody else? You got to fix it. Okay. That's, you know, defense needs to learn how to tackle. The offense needs to run the dang ball and, you know, maybe spread the ball around a little bit more. Um, Just a little bit. Maybe not target Cooper Cup as much. Maybe, I don't know. Try to get the ball to Allen Robinson, who you brought in for three years. Like, he's going to be on your roster for three years unless you trade him. So, you know, you. You traded Robert Woods, and then you brought in Allen Robinson just to not target him. So what is he there for? What is he there for? Just to run routes for your team? That's it? Just going to stand on the side of the field? He's there to take up up a freaking roster spot? Like, I don't even know what I'm watching anymore. Like, this is so turning into such a a pass-heavy type of league that it's just – my team is being con- is just consuming it. Well, first of all, like they just think that they can throw it all over the yard when they can't. They've got five offensive linemen, maybe more, that are out. Their entire all- their entire starting lineup uh, outside of Rob Havenstein at right tackle played last night. They, they did not play last night actually. Okay, I think they're on their third, second, and third stringers. They are running low, very low, and yet. We want to sit back and pass pro and just like no, let's just let's just see how this works. We're just all screen game and like slants. What is this Madden? Like, are we playing Madden right now? 
Okay, are we going to ever throw it down the field? Like, ever try to, I don't know, just 50, 50 yards, like 30 yards. Just, you know, a little something would be nice. A little something over the top. Maybe using that draft pick that you use. You know, Tutu is supposed to be over the top. And now he barely gets any playing time. He was inactive last night. What does that say? Second round draft pick was inactive last night. When you know deep down that the wide receivers, we need more wide receivers. We need more people to step up. It can't just be first, second down, first, second, third, fourth down Cooper Cup. You can't pass it all four downs. You can't run it twice and be like, oh, it's not working. Let's move on. Let's move on into a different strategy. The screen game, we'll get them there. Well, you didn't. You did not. You did not do very well. You dominated time possession, so that's a positive. But you lost the game. So last time I checked, they don't put time of possession on the on the freaking sheet. They put W's or losses. W's or L's. Not T-O-P. And I just... If they don't beat the Cowboys this week... Oh. Ha. You are going to hear from me again. You will hear from me again. Okay, this is not the end. So y'all's ears better be primed and ready for my beautiful voice. Because if they lose next week, oh, oh, oh. Oh, I am coming. Well, I'm already here, but I'm really going to be coming. I'm really going to be coming next week. And so... Uh, and the week after when they play the Panthers, you do not want to talk to me. Uh, uh-uh. So, Rams better get their heads on straight. And so this is uh, quite the season so far. I'm happy that they're at 500, but they got a lot of work to do. A hell of a lot of work to do if they want to uh, get back just the playoffs, to be honest with you. Um, not even not even getting back to the Super Bowl, let, let alone the playoffs. I don't even know if they can get back to the playoffs at this point. I can name about 10 other teams that are better than this team right now. Okay, I can name about 10 other NFC teams that I would take over this Rams team right now. They are not playing like a team. They are playing like I don't even know what. I, don't, I, don't, I, can't, I can't explain it. I can't explain it. And I, I said that I wasn't going to rant like I did before, but uh, one thing led to another, and I ended up going a lot longer than I did the run the damn ball segment, I think. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I just – oh, geez. They better hope and pray that they win next week or it's going to be hell podcast i'm going to just absolutely lose it um lose what you might ask i don't know um lose my mind i guess i don't know um brett eldridge by the way he said lose my mind it's a song that's my song reference for the day but um yeah uh before I, 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 yeah, Spence, I, I'm, I'm, I'm done. So, um, before I say anything, anything else that I might regret later, 
I I'm done. So you can you can take it take it back and continue with what you were doing. Okay. 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 Next up, we have uh, after I don't know how you follow this up. Uh, game of the week um, segment. Game of the week for week four of the NFL. And we'll start with Christian. Uh, I know you didn't get to go on last week. Uh, so we'll start with you this week, Christian. What was your game of the week for week four of the NFL season? Uh, Bills Ravens. Obviously, for many reasons, Bills and Ravens are, they were uh, at the beginning of last week, the top two AFC teams uh, in a lot of people's minds. Uh, potentially, this is a AFC championship um, preview when we come in uh, January, but you know, Baltimore Lamar had, you know, he started out in a decent game and then, then he threw two interceptions. Uh, one was a tip pass. That was an interception. Um, but Baltimore, I mean, they, they've had two of these games so far where they're up big up 20 plus points and they still come in loose, you know, and it's very sad to see Baltimore like this, that their offense does look very good, but their defense gets tired and they wind up losing both the games against the Miami Dolphins in week two and losing to uh, Buffalo this Sunday. But, you know, Buffalo, you know, showing their guts, showing their grit. Um, you know, they're, they're showing that, you know, that last Sunday when they played against the Miami Dolphins, it was a fluke. They should have won that game uh, in their eyes and they were down – early against the Ravens and kind of late in the mid-third quarter, 20, 20 unanswered points. Josh Allen played a fine game. Um, yeah, this was my game of the week because it was so close down to the wire. Uh, Last-second field goal, and, you know, it's got the whole entire Ravens kind of, you know, squawking at each other, uh, to use like a bird kind of phrase. You know, Lamar Jackson is playing his heart out, and – he doesn't have a guaranteed contract for next season. You know, Jim Harbaugh and Marcus Peters went at it verbally on the sideline. So, exactly what's, you know, what's the chemistry like and the morale around Baltimore? Uh, we will see that uh, this Sunday when they play uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. But at the same time, like Baltimore, they need to, you know, find a way to get back into it and be a very impressive team because losing, you know, losing another game that they're up big, it would absolutely devastate the team. And, you know, this, it should have been, it should be their division by a mile with Pittsburgh struggling, but on both sides of the football, Bengals being hit and miss the Browns just being the Browns. So they really have to come in Sunday and uh, beat the Bengals. But I think the, uh, Game of the week was definitely Buffalo, Baltimore. All right. Dolph, what was your game of the week for week four? My game of the week was not the Rams and 49ers, I can tell you that much. Would you like to go um, in for a 20-minute rant about why it's not the game of the week? Yeah, sure, if you really want to hear my beautiful voice again. Yeah, I'll go into 20 minutes. Yeah, sure. Um I know you're being sarcastic. I know you were joking, but um, yeah, let's see. Uh, the 49ers seem like they have a really, really good team, and the Rams seem like they don't. Okay, there's my two minute rant instead of or 50 seconds, two seconds instead of 20 minutes. Um, 
that was an that was an awful game. A great game for the 49ers, an awful game for the for the rest of uh, you know, the Rams fans. Um just uh, something that you can't forget and uh happens every year. And uh sucks when you can't beat Big Brother. So, um okay. My game of the week is the Jets and the Steelers. Um, I feel bad for all the Steelers fans, especially our boy Todd. Um, Kenny Pickett should be the starter, I think. Um, but regarding the Jets team, how about them, baby? J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. I'm going to be a Jets fan now. Uh, but... Uh, this game was pretty close. I was surprised the Jets were able to pull it out, but they really deserved it because the Steelers were not playing particularly well. Um, they, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett threw three interceptions, had two rushing touchdowns. They weren't able to run the ball. Um, the bright spot um, was not even the Jets quarterback. It was freaking Brees Hall. And... Greg Zerline. Defense. Jets defense. Getting three interceptions? What? Come on now. That is awesome. That's awesome. And Robert Sala's really got his defense playing well. Excuse me, four interceptions. I forgot. Mitch Trubisky had one. He got benched at halftime. Um so four interceptions. I Jets. Jets would have been a really, really good play for fantasy this past week. I can tell you that, guys. But um, just happy to see that, uh, you know, the Jets are sitting at 500, and uh, the Steelers got to get it figured out. I'm sure they will. Uh, but this is my game of the week. Pretty close, and uh, hell of a game. All right. For me, the game of the week will go across the pond to our friends over in London, England. They got to they got them a treat at uh 9:30 here on the East Coast. I think it's about 6 hours here. So I think it's about 3:30 uh was the kickoff time over in London. You had the Vikings and the Saints taking on each other. Captain Kirk, Kirk Cousins goes 25 of 38, 273 a touchdown interception. Andy Dalton, Dalton's favorite quarterback in the NFL, maybe. That's uh, true. Absolutely. <laughs> You need a Dalton jersey just because of the name. Facts, bro. But yeah, Andy Dalton filling in for the injured Jameis Winston. He has a good game, too. Came down to the very end when, of course, you line Will Lutz up, who has been fine. You know, it was a crazy uh, finish if you look at the box score. Because you have Jefferson scores 415 to go. Then you have Will Lutz, 60-yard attempt. Uh, with a little under two minutes ago, it's good. Greg Joseph makes one with 47, and then Minnesota or New Orleans does enough to get into a good field goal range. Uh, you know, Chris Olave has some big catches down the stretch. Uh, he catches, and then you got 61 yards from Will Lutz, and he pulled what everyone's favorite Chicago Bears kicker Cody Parkey did a few years ago. And he double doinks it off the upright, then off the crossbar. Um, so, uh, again, a little bit for me, I work Sunday mornings. So we're in the office, and we're watching the game. 
and like the, it's just me and a couple guys, and you couldn't see the bottom of the crossbar on the TV from the uh, shot they had initially. So we're just like, what happened here? So then we see the replay, and he double doinks it. Obviously, you feel bad for Will Lutz uh, in that scenario. Uh, Minnesota escapes London with a win. And, you know, Minnesota's looking very good through. Uh, it's not, you can't say a quarter of the season anymore because the extra game, but they're looking really good so far. Next up, we'll go most impressive performance from the week. Uh, let's start with Dalton here. Uh, who was the most impressive performance? And don't say the 49ers. Perfect, because I wasn't going to say them anyway. Uh, I'm going to go with a different team. Uh, actually, within the same division, uh, I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks. What a performance from Geno Smith, am I right? The in, in like in Detroit. Oh my gosh, that's that's crazy. Like this, like they put up 48 points on the Detroit Lions, and uh, I mean that was that was quite the performance from the Seahawks, able to pull out a win like that. Uh, the Detroit Lions were missing their starting running back. Uh, they were missing a bunch of other players that I don't remember. Um, and the they almost the freaking Seahawks almost put up fifty points. I mean that's absurd. It's insane. Um, and I thought that that performance was was pretty impressive. All right, Christian, you're up next. What was your most impressive performance from week four? Um, I would have to say Joe Burrow. You know, Joe Burrow over the last several weeks has done pretty good. Obviously, first two weeks he was not a very good quarterback at all. Um, lost both games, 18, you know, 18 points a game, three touchdowns, four interceptions, including um, three interceptions in the first week. Then he was sacked 13 times. The offensive line was absolutely terrible. Um, and Joe Burrow could not do anything because he was pressured so much. So it's more Joe Burrow and uh, the Cincinnati Bengals that have really stepped up. Um, yes, they played the Jets and the Tua less uh, Miami Dolphins. But at the same time, you're, you, know, you throw five touchdowns in the last two games, no turnovers. Uh, offensive line's playing really well. Three sacks in two games, you know, it's pretty good. It's pretty good, and yeah, especially when you're averaging, um, you know, when you're averaging almost six a game, having only three in two games is pretty damn good for this offensive line. So really, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals were the most impressive. Uh, they've really turned this around. So like I mentioned with Baltimore, uh, they have a lot to prove. This is a division that's up in the air. So Cincinnati's on the right track where Baltimore doesn't seem on the right track. But uh, I'd say the most impressive has to be uh, Joey B and the Bengals. All right. For me, I'm going to go with the Atlanta Falcons, specifically their rushing attack here. Because if you look at the Falcons, I mean, they beat the Browns 23-20. Mariota's stat line was 7 of 19, one interception. If you saw that stat line, you told me the team wins, I'd be impressed. Um, because that's a pitiful passing stat line. But, you know, Tyler Algeyer, the rookie out of BYU, taking the fifth round last year, he had, you know, 10 rushes, 84 yards, no touchdowns there. He had one catch for 20 yards. He had a pretty impressive day. Caleb Huntley, you know, 10 for 56 and a TD. Cordero Patterson, we all know what he's like. He's got a touchdown as well. 
on the ground. Just the, the rushing attack, keeping them in the game because Atlanta, their passing game, like no one's going to be afraid of Mariota. Uh, and I was a big Mariota fan in his college days, even the early Tennessee days. Um, I actually liked him more than Jameis Winston at the time of the draft. That's another discussion. Um, but, you know, you know, Atlanta Falcons just having the rushing attack in order to uh, defeat the Cleveland Browns uh, in whatnot last week. On to the least impressive performance from the previous week. Um, I'm going to go with the Lions defense, but you could also just argue the defense of that game in general. I mean, don't allude to it. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Because he was high on Seattle's offense. I give the Lions defense uh, a lot of issues first off. Um, I, I guess both teams forgot how to play defense, which is weird because you got two defensive coaches in Pete Carroll and Dan Campbell. Um, but, yeah, giving up 48 to Geno Smith. This is not West Virginia Geno Smith. This is not the early years Geno Smith where we thought he had potential. This is Seattle. Uh, he's been here for a while. Um and then also, I mean, on the flip side, Jared Goff decided to have another great performance because he's always in these high-scoring shootouts, it seems. Um, Listen, Jared Goff. Oh, right. I was listening to a part of my take earlier. They said that Jared Goff has been in, I think, four of like the 16 high-scoring NFL games. Obviously, the the the, uh, the great Monday Night Football game a few years ago with Rams-Chiefs. He was the quarterback for the Rams in that game. Uh, yes, he was. He's Damn good one. Numbers. He just has those numbers. Um, didn't translate to a win though this week. Um, but yeah, the Lions defense, I'm going to say, uh, just very unimpressed with them. And I don't know, like, hopefully they give up 45 this weekend. That's all I'm going to say. Or 48. Either way, I'd be happy with it. Let's go, Dalton. I'll go to you next. Your least impressive performance from the previous week. Uh, it's got to be the Broncos. Just not what I'm seeing from the. I don't. I just don't like it. I just don't like what I'm seeing from the Broncos. I expected better. Um, I play. I expected better from their offensive line. Um, maybe it's because it's early in the season and Russell Wilson's relatively new. Um, but I just expected the Broncos to be off to a better start. All right, Christian, your least impressive performance from the week. Um, I gotta say the uh, Pittsburgh. Obviously, Pittsburgh is just not the same uh, team that it was a couple of years ago. Their defense does not look um, fully functional. You know, T.J. Watt has missed, I believe, seven games um, in his entire career, and Pittsburgh has never won a game that he has been out. So, T.J. Watt obviously brings a whole different level into pressuring uh, opposing quarterbacks and making them wish that they never played Pittsburgh uh, on their schedule. And Zach Wilson did pretty much anything he wanted against Pittsburgh. The Jets are not the best team right now. They're just not. And the fact that they can go up against a blue blood like the Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously Kenny Pickett put in this first game through several interceptions didn't that look right? But uh, Pittsburgh fans, they want Kenny Pickett. They want him to be the star, so they have to throw him to the water. He was the only first-round quarterback uh, drafted in the first round in this past draft, so a, pe- a lot of people are super hyped on him. Uh, let's see how he does. Obviously, against the Jets, probably not the, probably not the best one. 
to put them against just because they're already down bit down big and they have to you know come back and get it. He hasn't made the best throws, uh, double coverage, triple coverage, and just did not work out for him. But Pittsburgh is not the most impressive, especially how they started earlier. Now they're one and three, and it is not a good sign if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. All right, now on to our biggest surprise of the week. Uh, let's go to Christian first here. Christian, what was your biggest surprise from, from uh, week four? How did the biggest shootout of the season belong to Seattle and Detroit? Good question. Like, Great answer. 45. Like, I know Detroit put up some points week one against the Eagles, but that was like a comeback win. TJ Hawkinson just went off. Jared Goff was pretty good. Geno Smith was electric. Like, how in the heck is Seattle and Detroit, who are probably by the end of the year going to be top five to top ten picks, respectively, you know, I think Seattle's not going to do as well. I think Detroit could get some more wins here and there. But I don't get how Seattle and Detroit, who are supposed to be dead-in-the-water teams, not very good offensively, just a struggle and rebuild culture, they had the biggest shootout. And I feel so bad for Detroit because Detroit is like in these games, but they're not getting the dub. They just can't finish. And it hurts me seeing Detroit be this kind of team and then just not get the not get the W. So my big surprise was Seattle and Detroit just absolutely went off and nobody really kind of like noticed them until the very end of the game. All right. Dalton, your biggest surprise from the uh, previous week of football. Biggest surprise, the Cowboys. They won another game. Cooper Rush. We're riding the hot hand, aren't we, guys? Hell yeah, we are. Friggin' Cooper Rush is on a tear right now, and the Cowboys are on a tear. C.D. Lamb loves Cooper Rush. He's feeling the rush, the adrenaline rush. And, you know, I think this whole team is just riding with, with Coop, and they have to. I mean, this is this is a team that, you know, without Dak, they're playing their Super Bowl contenders, I feel like. They all division contenders. Uh, the Eagles are playing really, really exceptional right now, but I think the Cowboys might have something to say about that. All right. For me, I try to, you know, stick a, to stay away from my team during any of the segments outside favorite team, obviously. Um, but my biggest surprise was this stat that I heard on Sunday, and that and I shouldn't be too surprised because the quarterback class was not super, uh, for lack of a better word, good this year. Uh, but Bailey Zappi, and I, fa- I forgot to mention this earlier, so I'll mention it here. He is the first rookie quarterback uh, from this class to throw a touchdown pass. It wasn't Kenny Pickett, who everyone thought would be uh, starting Pittsburgh, you know, earlier in the season. They went with Mitch until this week, but he ran two in. It wasn't Ritter. He's still the backup. Willis got some duty in a mop-up time earlier this year. No, but Bailey Zappi, the guy from Western Kentucky who broke Joe Burrow's passing records uh, in college, he was the guy who was the first rookie to catch a touchdown or pass for a touchdown uh, this season. So I thought that was, you know, very impressive. Uh, Hopefully we get more to come as long as Mac is not uh, playing. Because I want Mac playing when he comes back, that is for sure. But now on to our favorite segment, uh, our preview for the upcoming week of football. Uh, let's go back to the standings real quick. 
uh, we actually had a, probably our best week overall as a podcast. I went four and one, only missing Monday Night Football this game. Dalton and Christian had the identical picks last week. They went three and two. Dalton is still leading our overall standings because he's the only one above five hundred. Because uh, he had a couple really good weeks. Uh, picks, he's eleven and nine. I have nine wins, eleven losses on the year, and Christian seven wins, thirteen losses. But still, you know, two game separation. Uh, still a hell of a lot of football left to be played, uh, to make up ground. Uh, but if we keep picking identical picks, it won't be much fun. Let's start. We'll go London, uh, 9:30 Eastern, 8:30 Central, 6:30 Pacific. If you want to get up, if you're on the West Coast and you want to get up that early to watch a football game, you know, more power to you. Um, for that, I'll go Christian. I'll let you start us off here. Giants Packers, the first time ever that London is getting a game where both teams have a winning record. Yeah. So, um, well, listen, you know, gotta give credit to the Giants, you know, the three and one. And there's a lot of teams that played some really good games that are one and three or even worse. New York has played some terrible games. And they are three and one. And against the only decent competition, the Dallas Cowboys, they lost. Uh, they beat Chicago last week. They beat the Titans by one uh, off of miss a field goal from the Titans. And uh, they beat uh, Carolina by three, which is Carolina. So New York being three and one, respect to the Giants and respect to Dabble uh, making a real culture change into uh, New York. Green Bay is favored in this game by eight points. You know, Green Bay's kind of been an up-and-down kind of team. Um, beating up, again, beating up by the Vikings, beating up the Bears, winning a very close matchup against the Bucks, and, of course, uh, beating Spencer's team. And for two weeks in a row, we beat Spencer's favorite quarterback and Spencer's favorite team. That's pretty daggum good in my book. But Green Bay, of course, um... A lot of doubts, including myself. I have a on if Green Bay can really, you know, have that spark on offense. They kind of are lackluster. So I still am going to pick the Green Bay Packers to win. Uh, I'll say by a touchdown, 10 points is kind of similar to my view. I think New York is going to put up a fight, but this is definitely by far the toughest challenge. Uh, the toughest challenge they've played up to this point, they lost. So I think New York is just not there yet. They can be a good team in a couple years. They fix the quarterback position. They fix whatever is up with uh, Kenny Galladay, uh, highest paid receiver on the team. Only has like two or three catches. He's not targeted as much, uh, m- much more than that. So New York still has a lot of issues to fix. Uh, the whole Saquon Barkley stuff. Do they really, you know, dive, dive, you know, dive deep into him and give him an extension because of his injury concerns? Uh, a lot of questions in New York, but I think in London, the Green Bay Packers are going to come out with a W. And I'm going to agree with you there. I think it's going to be the Packers as well. Again, you like to credit to the Giants, as Parcells would say, "You are what your record says you are." Um, but. I don't trust the the Bears this year. I yeah, I've been on record with how low I am on the Titans. Again, it's not their fault. That's how the schedule played out for them. 
You can only play who's in front of you and who's on your schedule. Uh, so they're taking care of business right now. Um, but with that being said, I'm also going with the Green Bay Packers to come out of London with a win and go to four and one. Dalton, how do you see uh, Giants Packers going down in London? I think it's going to be close, guys, but you guys one Giants fan on this pod. And so, Christian, you can bash me next week if the Packers win. But I'm going to pick the G-Men in this one um, to win a close game in London. And I think, you know, two different squads, but I think this Patriots game last week uh, really, really uh, gave me some some thoughts and some thinking as to, you know, what can happen at any on, on pretty much any given Sunday movie reference for any of those who, of you who have, who've actually seen that movie starring Al Pacino, you can watch it some other time. Um, but that's who I'm going with going with the G men. Don't know who's going to start a quarterback this week. Uh, hopefully it's not your all's boy, J- uh, Daniel Jones, uh, word on the street is that it might be Tyrod Taylor. Uh, so if it is Packers should w- Packers should win by thirty points, but you know shit's gonna happen, um, and you know we'll see, we'll see, we'll see what happens for sure. And I just want to shout. Uh, I'm not sure if he'll like me for this, but I want to shout Spencer out for actually typing Giants on the spreadsheet before the segment. Uh, kudos to this guy. He knows me so well. And uh, yeah, Christian. No offense to the Packers. Um, but I just have a bad experience with that team, and also I'm just more of a fan of the G-Men. So, oh, go Giants! Golden leads our prediction challenge right now. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dolan, I'll have you go first with the next game because this was a game you wanted us to add to the schedule. So, Bears Vikings. Uh, Dolan, you go first here. Freaking bet, dude. And so I thought about picking the Bears here. I, I really thought about it for a little bit. Um, it's a it's a divisional matchup. Pretty much anything can happen. Um, Bears have got a nice young squad. Um, but I just think the Vikings are going to be too much for this team, especially at home in Minnesota. Um, Kirk Cousins, Kevin O'Connell, the new coach. Got him off to a three and one start. You got Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. I can go on and on and on about that team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But um, I'm going to go ahead and pick the the Vikings to win. All right, uh, Christian, who do you have winning Bears Vikings? Um, you know, the obviously Minnesota. You know, won a very close game against New Orleans in London last week after after a double doink field goal. Uh, by the Saints, and there was uh, – I forget exactly where on social media I found it, but uh, after the fir- before the first doink, the, giant, uh, the Saints were uh, super proud and they were so happy that they put this game in overtime. And then the second picture after, you know, after the second doink, the Viking fans are going – the Viking players are going nuts. Uh, Minnesota won a very close game against a mediocre Saints team. But Chicago is not the best team right now. Uh, yes, they're two and two, but struggled. You know, they had a struggle fest against uh, the San Francisco 49ers when Trey Lance was still healthy. Uh, they won by nine points against them. Not really going to really count that game because obviously that's not the direction uh, that the Bears are going in. Next week, we all know. 
Packers just beat the crap out of them. And then they beat the Texans by three. The Bears are just not the best team right now. They're not really a good two and two team. They're kind of on the bottom. I think there's a couple better one and three teams uh, that are better than them. So I got Minnesota. The spread is Minnesota by seven, and I can see an absolute blowout happening. A division game, anything can happen. But I still think Minnesota is a much better team than Chicago at this point. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go clean sweep with the Vikings as well. Although, I don't know what the record tends to be. I know in the past, before last year, when you played in London or over like anything overseas, you get a bye week as, you know, kind of extra week to rest from the travel um, that you have. But they are going back home to Minnesota, and it is Chicago. Um, obviously, Vikings without Lewis seen the uh, safety from Georgia that they took in the first round. Um, he's going to be out. Andrew Booth is questionable. But I, I just love Justin Jefferson, and I think he's going to have a fantastic game. Mooney for the Bears could have a good game too. Uh, but Fields is just – he's far from that quarterback at Ohio State, that one season where – he only had one interception until the uh, semifinal game against Clemson where he threw two picks in that game. Uh, that guy who had yeah, three interceptions the entire season, uh, he is far from that guy that we saw there that I fell in love with and thought he'd be fantastic in the NFL. Man, there's still a lot of time left in his career to get back on track. Uh, but Chicago, I think they're going to lose this and go to two and three. But, again, division game. Uh, you know, you never know how those are going to go. And the Vikings, the travel concerns, um, not really concerns, but, you know, just how the players' bodies are adjusting, coming back from overseas and then playing a game. Uh, Don't have you go first here because your team is involved. The Cowboys and the Rams. How do you see that one going down? Cooper Rush slated to get the start against your boys. Fantastic. Um, I'm going to pick the Cowboys, and here's why. Um, I think the Cowboys are the hotter team right now. I think that they're the better team right now. And despite playing in Los Angeles, there are a lot of Cowboy fans in Los Angeles. So I'm going to go ahead and pick the Cowboys to win. And I think Cooper Cup, Cooper Rush, not Cooper Cup, Cooper Rush, his team to four and five games, uh, four and one. And they're sitting right behind the Eagles, maybe right next to the Eagles, but the same record wise. Um, after, after, after this week, um, uh, Cowboys are playing well right now, and I'm going to go ahead and pick them to win. Oh, I'm a little surprised there because you normally don't go against your boys. Um, that being said, I'm going with the Rams to win this game. I think Cooper Rush will have a fantastic game. I think the Rams are due for a bounce back um, performance. They seem to just struggle in division games when it's the 49ers. Although when they're not playing the 49ers, they tend to play well. Um and I think this will be Cooper Rush's first NFL loss as a starting quarterback. Christian, you next. How do you uh, break the tie? This was not probably how you thought this pick would go down, but break the tie here. Who do you see winning the Cowboys-Rams game? So, L.A. is favored by four and a half points. Um, obviously, after the embarrassing loss of the San Francisco 49ers, we're kind of used to this, though. I think Dalton... Uh, agrees with me. San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo has the Rams number. Has always beaten the Rams, uh, just kind of embarrassingly. But the Rams still kind of bounce back and are a better team than expected. 
I am also going to go the L.A. Rams. I'm like, it's kind of funny how the two guys who aren't Rams fans are going uh, going for the Rams, and the Rams fans are going against them. I'm I'm just saying, it's kind of weird. And also, I was thinking about this. Like, I was thinking, well, Dallas has done, you know, pretty decent going up against some teams. They their defense unloaded on Cincinnati, did really well, still won by a field goal. They're they you know they beat the Giants up, but it's the Giants. They're they haven't really shown to be the most impressive team. Um, they beat up the Commanders. Whoop you know whoop they do. They're, that's not a big team. Struggled against uh, Tampa Bay, and that offense does not look the same really. Uh, as it did a year ago. So I think L.A. will bounce back. Uh, you know, they're at home. So I think the Rams are going to be just fine. They're going to be 3-2. and two. Dalton, be patient with your boys. And I get the Rams. All right. Next up, we have Eagles-Cardinals. The undefeated Eagles taking on a Cardinals team that had a resurgent second-half effort against the Carolina Panthers on Sunday, and that game will be 425, the same time as the Cowboys-Rams. So, depending on what market you're in, or if you have, you know, some ticket, red zone, you can watch both games, theoretically. Um, I think the Eagles will stay undefeated here and improve to 5-0. and Arizona, they they look so bad. I'm impressed they're 2-2, two two, actually. Uh, but, you know, Carolina... Not that good of a football team. The Raiders were the last NFL team, um, but that game was good to watch. Actually, I shouldn't really be surprised because they kind of. If you show me the schedule, I probably would maybe pick one and three start for Arizona, but they're two and two instead. Uh, but Cliff is, you know, I don't want to say he's coaching for his job, but they have been playing really bad um, this season through four games that. And they gave Kyler all that money. So you have basically made a decision that Kyler is our guy. Um, but Cliff, if they don't win enough games, could potentially be gone. Um, because, you know, Kyler and Cliff is a great duo. Um, in terms of, you know, Kyler is a very good player because of the offense that Cliff Kingsbury has. Uh, but, yeah, we're talking a lot more on that. Jalen Hurts has been fantastic this year so far. And A.J. Brown has just fit in. Uh, tremendously there. You you do get a battle here. A.J. Brown, Marquise, Hollywood Brown, two receivers that were traded in the offseason on draft night uh, for another first-round pick. Both of them sending uh, shockwaves through the NFL. But like I said, I'm going to ride with the Eagles. Uh, They are on the road, but I just think, you know, they're going to stay undefeated for some time here. Let's go Christian next. How do you see Eagles-Cardinals going down? Uh, I'm going to go Eagles as well. Um, Cardinals have the second worst point differential in the entire NFC next to the Commanders, which is not a big shocker. But, you know, they, they've definitely shown the Cardinals have not been uh, the best, you know, offense and defense. They haven't played a great game together. Um, you know, week one got destroyed against the Kansas City Chiefs. Then struggling against the Raiders, came back and beat the Raiders, but off of like amazing plays on both sides. But they both did not play, have a strong game against the Raiders. 
uh, putting up 12 the next week against the Rams, and then beating Carolina 16 points in the fourth quarter uh, was big for them to win that game. And in a game where Baker, if the Carolina Panthers, just did not look good. You know, Matt Rule in Carolina, not the best right now. Um, it, it's This is like the mid, most mid-division I've ever seen in my life. Uh, San Francisco may be a favorite in the division, but they had one of the most one of the ugliest Sunday night football games in the ever between uh, them and the Denver Broncos. The Rams look really good one moment and get blown out in the next. Uh, Seattle it is the exact same way where they're you know shooting out with the Detroit Lions and then putting up a seven pointer against the Rams uh, against the Niners, excuse me. Uh, in week, I think it was two. And then the Cardinals, I mean, again, like I mentioned, struggling in one game and managed to find a way to come back and win in another. Eagles right now, besides Jacksonville, which, by the way, Jacksonville's a real daggum team. I don't know if y'all have been really watching them. Jacksonville's a real team. Now, Trevor's not putting up MVP numbers because it's only a second year. But Doug Peterson is making something – with Jacksonville in a very, very bad AFC South right now. So watch out for Jacksonville. But the Eagles are a very real team. They should be the favorites in the NFC uh, as of this moment. Uh, I don't think anybody in the North has a clear advantage. I don't think anybody in the South has a clear advantage. Uh, Tampa Bay, which has been struggling, um, Atlanta's the next best team, but Atlanta's just kind of an eh. Like I mentioned, the NFC West is mid. It's not the best division. I mean, really, the closest thing, the closest team right now in a lot of people's minds are the Dallas Cowboys with Cooper Rush. But how long can that withstand? I think it's not going to last long at all. I think it ends uh, this week when they play the Rams. But right now, this is the Eagles' division to lose. This is the Eagles conference to lose. Obviously stuff can happen. Uh, This is week five we're going into. It's, you know, you still got 13 weeks. You still got four months of football plus playoffs. It's a long time to get into that Super Bowl, but Eagles right now look the best. Um, I don't think I, I don't think I see a cards trajectory where they start off really good and the end of October they just fall off the map. I don't see that, but I still think the Eagles are going to continue their uh, unbeaten streak and be 5-0 when we talk about them next week. All right. Dalton, how do you see the Eagles and the Cardinals game going down? Yeah, I think the Eagles are going to win this game, and here's why. I think the Eagles have um, one of the best run games in the entire league. I think their defense is playing exceptionally well. Up front, in the middle, and on the back end as well. They have James Bradbury, who's playing good. Uh, came from the Giants, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and Darius Slay has also had a resurgence. And so, them two guys out there. And um, I just think also the addition of A.J. Brown from this past offseason has paid massive dividends so far. Um, and him going along with Devonta Smith – and uh, I'm using and a lot, but it just it just feels like the Eagles are going to win this game, and I think that they should win by by at least a touchdown. 
All right. Next up, we will go Sunday night football in Baltimore, Maryland. You have the two and two Bengals, the two and two Ravens division game, which everyone loves to see. Uh, both teams looking to get right. Bengals obviously come up a Thursday night game, a little mini buy, if you will. Uh, Baltimore coming up another collapse down the stretch against the Bills. For me, I was leading Baltimore uh, for a while, but just seeing how they play the last few weeks is disappointing. I mean, they beat New England. Congrats. You know, they're, you beat uh, the Jets. So if you're playing the AFC, well, now nah, because they lost. Uh, I didn't realize, actually, I'm looking at it right now. It just hit me that Buffalo, or Baltimore, excuse me, their first four games was all against the AFC East. It just hit me. That's how their schedule opened. I don't know why it took me so long to realize that. I guess I'm not a Baltimore fan, so that's why. Um, so they're two and two. They they would be better than New England is in the AFC East, um, but that's not where they play. They're in the AFC North. There is a division game against the Bengals. I'm gonna go with the Bengals. I think the Ravens' defense is not that good yet. They haven't shown the ability to finish a game. Uh, I think Burrow and Lamar will put up numbers. I think it'll be a fun game to watch as a football fan. Uh, probably would come down to a late fourth quarter uh, drive. You know, either T. Higgins, you know, uh, Jamar Chase. One of them has a big play late to help the Bengals out. So I'm going ball, uh, Cincinnati to win this game. Don, where do you see Bengals-Ravens going on Sunday night? I had Ravens at first. Um, but I feel like their secondary is going to be hating it this weekend when they have to go against T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Um, I'm going to go ahead and Bengals to win as well. All right, and Christian finishes off. How do you see the Bengals and Ravens going down? I see the Cincinnati Bengals winning this game. Um, Baltimore, like you said, Spencer, they've been struggling this year. Um, you know, two games being up 20 plus points and they still lose this game, uh, lose their respective games against the Dolphins and the Bills. Uh, they're, they're just a struggle fest. I mean, they really are. We don't know what they really are. Uh, they got Lamar has a great game one day. Next game, those many interceptions and cost this team to win. Uh, defense, same thing. They only put up, uh, I think they only allowed seven points opening against the Jets. Well, forty plus against Miami. There, you know, we don't really know what this team is. It's you know, it's a ease a, you know, if the Ravens really kept their leads, they'd be four. You know, obviously they'd be four and zero if they kept you know kept winning. You know, that's stupid for me to say. But I mean, they were up big against the Dolphins. They were up big against the Bills. If they hold on to that lead, they're four and zero, and it's like okay, this is a team that can really compete in the AFC. But now it's like. We know what they can do, but they're not going to show it, so how confident can we be? Uh, Cincinnati's offense has gotten better. Their offensive line has proven more, and Baltimore is not the best pass-rushing team uh, in the league. So I think Cincinnati goes into Baltimore and wins. It's Baltimore favored by three, but I think Cincinnati has the hotter hand right now more than Baltimore, so I get the Bengals. All right. So Christian and I go with identical picks for the week. Dalton has a few changes uh, to go different than us, which uh, if I was a betting man, I'd go against all our picks just because, especially me, despite me having a good week, I do not trust my predictions at all this season. Uh, but that will do it 
for us tonight on Out of Bounds. Thanks again for listening. As always, you know, give us a follow on Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever you're listening to this podcast. Um, you know, feedback's always encouraged. Uh, share the podcast with friends and family if you so choose. Helps us out, and I'm sure um, there are. De- if you enjoy listening to our voices, you know, God bless you first off. Uh, but maybe some other people will too. So as always, I'm Spencer Brown. I'm Dalton Bishop. I'm Christian Ernst. So again, thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day.